and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because I was going to start our Acts series this morning. This was meant. This isn't Acts one, in case you haven't realised. Uh, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit on Tuesday morning, New Year's Day morning, um, uh, when I was praying for this church, um, and 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 I had spoken at Broken Chains on Sunday, and I felt like God just said to me, "You have to do the." A very similar thing again. You have to do a very similar thing again. We'll start Acts next week. And I'm so excited about that, by the way. I'm so excited about that. But you have to do the same sort of thing again. Because at the moment, you, and this was me at, that, at this moment in time, we, the church in the world, are active where wearing followers of Jesus. We think that because we come to church or we think that because we've got a few books about Christianity or because we call ourselves Christians, that we are Christians. And yet by many, I would suggest, orthodox understandings and solid understandings and biblical understandings of what it means to be followers of Jesus... And if we allowed the conviction of Scripture to shape our following, we might actually be falling down somewhere along the line. And so all I want to do this morning is, I say all that I want to do this morning, I want to share a a few points because, as I said earlier, this talk is called uh, Push On and Press In because at the start, you know, I didn't want to do the whole kind of what's your New Year's resolution and how much weight have you lost since Tuesday and all of that sort of thing. But um, some of you are trying, I can see, some of you need to try. Um, But, uh, (laughs) joke. but, but I didn't want to do that whole kind of New Year's Day, New Year's start, new resolution start sort of thing. But, but actually, I do really believe that we are moving into a new season, as one of our leaders prayed about it this morning. A new season in the life of the church at Southside. Yes, 10.30 start, 11.15 start. That, that's not really what it's about at all. But it's actually about what uh, some of the significant things that are happening in the life of the church. It, it's about uh, opening up a time for ministry and encounter with God, encounter through worship, encounter through scripture, uh, but also encounter through prayer and listening to God for each other. We are moving into a a, a new season in the life of the church here at Southside. We're moving into a new season and we saw this and it was absolutely incredible uh, with the whole give a a day Christmas that we've just done. Absolutely incredible. I have been so blessed. I know that uh, many of you have been so blessed by by just kind of like the activism that was shown by people in this church. I was blown away last Sunday morning when I said, you know, we need people to volunteer to, to drive for, for the thing with Unity Grill going out into Lockside during the week. And Mary said, no, actually, we've got too many people doing it. And I, you know, I think that if we tallied up, and in fact, we will tally up the number of people who've been involved in projects over Advent and who've been involved in Give a Day projects prior to that. And the people, I, I was at Broken Chains last Sunday and Broken Chains is an incredible thing. It's an amazing initiative. It is a joint church initiative. But as pastor of Southside, I was actually, I, I felt quite proud. Um, and I don't mean that in, or I hope I don't mean it in a, oh, isn't Southside great? Because I hope that you know that I, in a sense, don't care about, I mean, I care deeply about Southside. But what I mean is, like, I, I don't care whether Southside grows and everyone else. I, you know, I would rather that every other church in air grew and we shrunk. <laughs> 
if it meant that people were coming to know Jesus. So please hear me. I'm not trying to build it, the kingdom of Southside. But I was so proud of the fact that Broken Chains last Sunday afternoon wouldn't have functioned without Southside people. It just wouldn't have. And I, I know it will be different on other Sunday afternoons and different Tuesdays, but it was just amazing. And so I believe that God is taking us into, the, into a new season as a church. I believe that God is wanting to shape us and make us and change us. Change us deeply in terms of what it means to be his followers. And so I've called it push on because we push on into this new season and press in. Because as we push forward, we'll have to press into some things that are going to keep us going um, along this journey. And so the first press in uh, as we, as we, I'm just getting my phone out to make sure uh, that I don't overrun. Okay, an hour isn't long. You wouldn't believe how quickly an hour goes. I know you guys think it's slow, but... (laughs) Um, But the first thing is this, we need to press into Jesus. Jesus says this in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And, and like the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I felt, um, which I believe might be for more than just myself, is this, that we actually keep Jesus at arm's length. That when it comes to following Jesus, we are happy to say Jesus is Lord, but we're not always happy to live under the Lordship. To to go back to that quote that I started with, many of us talk as if God is real, but act as if he is not. Um, But what we need to understand is that the relationship that Jesus calls each of us into with him and us communally is a relationship of the utmost intimacy. Of the utmost intimacy. You know, I won't literally ask you to shout it out because I know you won't. But um, the, the relationship that the Bible talks about that, that, that mirrors the relationship between Christ and the church is, I will ask you to shout it out, is marriage. The relationship that the, the, the Bible uses to, to, to say this is, this is kind of like a picture Okay, it's a metaphor, if you like, for, 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 for the, the relationship that God wants with us is a relationship of marriage. And much as it made people laugh at our wedding, I remember our, our, some of my rugby teammates, they'd obviously never been to like what I would call like a properly Christian marriage, but what they laughed about at our wedding, what they couldn't believe was talked about in a church was the S word. Okay? Because at our wedding they talked about sex. Shock, horror. And my rugby teammates were absolutely, oh my goodness, a minister. And he talked about sex. Um, but, but in the context of marriage, the intimacy, the absolute intimacy comes through the sexual union, the joining together of a man and a woman in marriage. And, and, and the Bible talks about for that reason, they become one flesh. They are completely united together. And, and that, if, mari- if, if marriage is a, a foretaste, if marriage is a picture of what our relationship with with Jesus is going to be like, it is a relationship of the utmost intimacy. You cannot have intimacy. If you are married, you cannot have intimacy within your marriage at arm's length. It is just not possible. 
It is impossible. We cannot, therefore, have intimacy with Jesus at arm's length. And yet so many of us, I believe, we keep Jesus at arm's length. And we might do it because we're afraid of what will really happen if we allow Jesus fully in. We might do it because we've never thought about uh, the fact that we're actually doing it. There might be a whole range of reasons why we do it. But nevertheless, the truth is this. We are keeping Jesus at arm's length. And yet Jesus says here in John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. We grew tomatoes this year, oh, last year now, now it is. And it was amazing. But the tomatoes do not grow separate from the vine. Do you know that? I know that some of you think they just come in plastic tubs, but they don't. They grow on a vine. They, they, are, they are attached to the vine. They gain their sustenance from the vine. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and we have to remain in him. And it is not possible to remain in Jesus from arm's length. And so as we push on and as we press in, we need to press into Jesus. If all you do with Jesus is what happens in an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes here on a Sunday morning, you are not pressing into Jesus, you are playing at it. If all you do in your walk with Jesus is what happens now and then in your connect group or now and in two minutes of Bible reading once a month or something like that, you are not pressing into Jesus. And the only way that Jesus is going to take us, use us, push us on and use us for the things that he has for us. And by the way, these things are optional. These things are optional. He is a good God who invites us to to participate in his work. He isn't going to make you do it. He is not going to make Southside do it. But he's not just going to allow us to continue to sit here if we're not going to do it. And the way we're going to do that, first of all, is by pressing into Jesus. Jesus, God, wants us to push on into everything he has for us as we move into a new season. But you have to remain in him. And it is impossible to remain in him at arm's length. The second thing that I want to say to pray... And that, thing is totally wrong because Jesus is a, is a person. So the first press in is press into Jesus. Get close. Get intimate. Get passionate with and for Jesus. The second thing is to press into the scripture, press into the Bible. I love it in Acts chapter 17. Uh, it talks about the Berians and the Berians, it says this of them uh, in Acts chapter 17. Now the Berians, uh, now the Berian Jews, sorry, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So Paul is coming and he's teaching them. And, and we know that uh, what Paul and what the New Testament teaches, the, the, what we call the apostles, uh, were teaching, the apostles' teaching, was in line with the scriptures that they had and that the scriptures that they had in those days was the Old Testament. Uh, that, that it doesn't contra- the New Testament does not contradict the Old Testament. It's an Older Testament and a New Testament. Um, and so when Paul came and preached about Jesus, taught about Jesus, taught about the gospel, the Berians open their Old Testaments. And they open their Old Testaments to say, is what this guy Paul is saying true? They, they, they pressed into the Word to figure out, is this right? Every single one of you, every single week, should be testing what I say, what your youth leaders say to you, what your connect group leaders say to you, what your prayer partners say to you, whoever it might happen to be, what UCB, what 
God channel, whatever it happens to be, should be, should be like the Berians, taking scripture, reading it, um, uh, inwardly digesting it. I love that's a phrase from an Anglican prayer, to inwardly digest the scriptures and say, God, is this true? Is this right? And as we seek to say, you know, we want to move forward into what God has for us. So we're, we're launching this time of ministry. And, and, you know, I hope that if anybody felt that that was an unbiblical, unsound thing to do, that they would have come to us and said, well, actually, guys, uh, on leadership or Nick as pastor or whoever it would happen to be that you'd come and speak to, I'm, I'm struggling to understand how this fits with the Bible. And then we would say, okay, that's cool. Uh, let's sit down. Let's have a coffee. Well, actually, here's where we, what we might think. And then they would respond and so on and so forth. And we will learn through each other what, how Jesus is leading us. We learn in community in that way how Jesus is leading us. But we learn in community only as we press into Jesus and only then as we press into the word. Okay, I, I heard this quote this week in, in this book that I'm listening to, um, and it was this, am I motivated by personal preference or biblical conviction? Isn't that challenging? Am I motivated by personal preference or biblical conviction? And that, as we push on, must be our kind, of, our kind of aim. Jesus is our ultimate authority. He must be. Only Jesus can be our ultimate authority. But under him, Jesus says of the Bible, in case you didn't realize this, uh, Jesus says of the Bible that it all testifies to him, that it all speaks about him, that it all points to him. And so if you know your Bible um, and you know Jesus and you're asking the Holy Spirit to deepen your relationship with Jesus uh, through Scripture, then, you are gonna, then, you, then, then your relationship with Jesus is going to grow and you are going to know more and more truth. It says in scripture that the Holy Spirit came to lead you into truth, which means that there are kind of like, I don't want to say layers of truth, but levels, there is always more truth that you can, that you can learn. There is always more about Jesus that you can learn. I love the phrase, I, I, I read it in one of my uh, old Christmas letters, I think, as I was figuring out what I was going to write last year. But, it, but, it, but I love this phrase, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. The better I know Jesus, the more I realize that there is to learn about Jesus, okay? Because he amazes us every single time. So press into Jesus and press into the Bible. The third thing to press into as we push on is this. Press into worship. Press into worship. First uh, Peter 2 verse 9 says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. We exist to worship. We exist to worship. Doesn't Jesus say, you know, that if, if you're not going to cry out, the stones will cry out. I was thinking about it this morning. What it will be like when we stand before Jesus. Or I should actually say what, what it will be like when we are before Jesus because I don't know that there'll be a whole lot of standing especially at the beginning but you know and the picture I had was actually that when we when we stand before Jesus and if you're just kind of new to this whole church thing Christian thing perhaps you're coming along for the first time or perhaps you've been coming for a while and you're and you're trying to figure out what it is we believe we believe that Jesus is real amen 
We believe that Jesus is coming back. And we believe that everybody is one day going to be before him. And, and, and I was thinking about it this morning. What is it going to be like when I'm before Jesus? And I thought, well, the first thing it's going to be like, I reckon I'm going to be on, on, my, on, on my front. I was thinking, what's it going to be like in the new Jerusalem, in new creation? And I'm like walking down the road. And then Jesus walks past me. And, and I was thinking, I'm not just going to carry on walking. How would that be possible? Jesus is walking past you in all his glory, bearing the scars of the resurrection, yet in his, res- uh, sorry, scars of crucifixion, yet in his resurrected body. You are not going to be on your feet. You are going to be face down uh, before him. He is going to be so glorious. But do you, then what happened next in the picture was this. Jesus came and he put his hand out to me and he said, get up. Get up, son. Get up, brother. Get up, friend. Isn't that amazing? If that's what, it, it, you know, and as I say, it was, just a, it was just a picture that I had in my mind of what it might be like. I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen, but that before him we will fall on our knees in worship, on our faces in worship. But then the loving hand of our brother will say, up you get Fantastic, but we need to press into worship. Uh, there's a Matt Redmond song that says that everybody praises the thing they love, everybody announces what they adore, and it and it's so true, isn't it? You know, I remember when when we were first married. I should, I'm sure I maybe don't do it as often as I should nowadays. But when I was first married, I just wanted to to name drop my wife into every conversation. I did, you know, I'm challenging myself as we speak that I should be name dropping her into every conversation still and not just like, oh my wife, you can't believe. But, but I used to name drop her into everything. I used to love saying to people, Look, here's my wife, here's my wife, here's my wife. And I announced what I adored. I declared what it was that I worshipped. And, and many of you are the same. You know, all of you young people, I, I'm, we will know, or at least your parents will know when you are falling in love. And I know that some of you will think that's disgusting. And some of you will like, be going all fluttery just thinking about it just now. But, but when, when you are falling in love, your parents will know because you'll like, you're walk into a room and you're humming. Or, or you know, my mum always used to say on the phone, what's her name? Um, but but, but it, it's like that because something changes in you. Uh, and that's what worship is. Worship is actually declaring the thing that you love the most. And so when it comes to pushing on in Jesus, pushing on with Jesus, pushing on for Jesus, I want to pose this challenging question to myself and to each of us as we move into this season. What is it that you declare that you love? What is it that you declare that you love? If people looked at your life, measured your lives, if people, if people were writing your obituary at this point, what is it that they would say you love? Because it's fine to say that you loved uh, hill walking. It's fine to say that you loved sport. It's fine to say that you loved art or music or whatever it is that you love. And that's good. And these are God-given things for our good and in which we can glorify him. That is really key. But what is the thing that you worship? If your life, if your bank account, if your time were to be examined, what is the thing that you worship? What are you devoted to? We were made to worship. The whole point of Jesus redeeming us it is summed up in that verse in 1 in 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that the verse hinges on the word that 
you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. That, that is why. Is it only me that's getting this? The whole point of being redeemed, the whole point of being set free, the whole point of salvation is that... Southside, it is that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. Press into worship. Sorry, I'm just getting, I'm getting excited. Two more things. Press into community. Acts chapter 2 and we'll dig more into this um, we'll dig more into this as we as we uh, go through Acts so Acts chapter 2 in two weeks time but it says this all the believers were together and had everything in common they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As I say, we'll unpack that much more in two weeks' time. But but the gist of it is this. You cannot follow Jesus in isolation. You cannot follow Jesus on your own. This following Jesus thing, this pushing on with Jesus, involves pressing into community. Israel were not called um, uh, in ones and twos. Israel was called as a nation. The whole nation was called. Yes, we have a personal relationship with God. I, I want to absolutely stress that. God calls us uh, into a personal relationship with him. Uh, I think the phrase is that God has no grandchildren. We all have to have a personal relationship with God. It isn't just something that we can inherit. But at the point at which you become a follower, at the point at which I became a follower, we became part of something uh, much, much bigger than ourselves. You know, one of the things, and I absolutely love all of our worship team. I love all of the people who pray here on a Sunday morning. But, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, and you can ask Dan or Danella about this, but like one of the things that I'm constantly talking about is like challenging ourselves in terms of what we pray. Um, Dan's nodding just now because like sometimes we'll get to the end of a time praying and I'll be like well did you need to pray that um so I'll give you I'll just, just really quickly I'll give you an example so sometimes I pray that God would be with somebody and then in the middle of my prayer I'm like what are you praying that's ridiculous God is with that person already what I really need to pray is that person will become aware of God's presence with them or or, or, or I might you know pray somebody's going through a difficult time you know God would you would you just be with that person would you just love that person I mean how many of you have not prayed that prayer So, in other words, all of you have. Just be with that person. Just love that person. And it's like God is saying to us, I am with them. I do love them. And and that's one of those things that we kind of wrestle with. Anyway, one of the things, one of my pet peeves, if you like, when we come into this gathered time is when, when people pray something along the lines of, oh, Jesus, it's just all about me and you. And like, can I just forget everything else? And can I forget everyone else and just be all me and you? you I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't times and places where it is good to have that personal... Well, there's, uh, of course it's great to have that. But, but this is not that place. 
This is not that place. This is where we are gathering as family. Sometimes, you know, when I stand down near the front and I, uh, during worship, I look around. And I'm not looking around to check who's here or anything like that. Please don't worry about it. I look around because you're my brothers and you're my sisters. And my worship is not just my worship. It is our worship. When we gather together like this, we gather as community. It is not just about me and Jesus. It is not just about any single one of you in Jesus. It is about us and Jesus. Yes, you need intimacy with the Father and with the Son and with the Spirit. And it is good to make time and space where you do that. Jesus did go off on his own and seek time with the Father. But we need to press into community. And when we press into community, we need to do that really well. When we press into community, we need to do it so well that we recognize who actually needs a little bit more or who it is that we could go out and help. We need to be praying as we come into this place. Every single one of us, not just me, not just the leadership, not just the people who might be happening to stand here, but every single one of us. God, give us your eyes for the people that we see this morning so that we don't just see the outward appearance, but we see what is going on in the inside and that as a community, we can truly grow together. It says they had... they. Uh, they sold property and possessions. Why? To give to anyone who had need. When was the last time you sold something you owned in order to buy for somebody who needed? I came across this prayer during the week. I'm so challenged by it. It says this. Sorry, let me just... This is my prayer for 2019. Lord, please give me what I need, not what I want. Part one of the prayer. Part two. And please help me to want what it is that I need. Let me just read that again. Lord, please give me what I need, not what I want. And please help me to want what it is that I need. As I say, we're going to unpack this in far more detail in a couple of weeks' time. But is that Acts 2 picture of the church what we see here? Is that Acts 2 picture of the church what we see in the church in Scotland or the church in the UK or the church in all the world? A church that sold possessions to give to everyone who need, that continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their home. Um, every day, sorry, they met together. I love it when, when as a family we meet with different people in this church. I just love it. I don't want to do life just the four of us. The four of us is precious. Don't get me wrong. The four of us is special. It is precious. It's amazing. But I don't want to do life just me, Karen, and the girls. I want to do life us. I want you to be dropping in and out of my house. I want to be dropping in and out of your house. I want our conversation to be littered and smattered and, uh, with, with Jesus and Jesus in the midst of everything because that is what true community is. And if we are going to push on into what God has for us, we need to offer the community and the world in which we live something better. And the community and the world in which we, ha- in which we live at this time is a, is a community and a world that needs genuine Christ-like, biblical community. Will we push on? Will we press in to true community? Uh, um, Henry Nguyen says this, without Jesus, there can be no church. And without the church, we cannot stay united to Jesus. I've yet to meet anyone who has come closer to Jesus by forsaking the church. The church, the community... 
the body of Christ is something that we all need to press into. Will we press into Jesus? Will we press into the Bible? Press into worship? Press into community? And then I just want to finish with this. Will we press into action? In the, in the church there's been this whole kind of thing about sorry I was just deciding whether I would say it there's been this whole thing you know the liberals do all the work and the evangelicals do all of the kind of saving souls and winning souls and that sort of thing and there became this split and you can read about it in church history it's really interesting actually um, and seeing you know how different people different groups factions if you like emerge one of the great, great things that is happening in what I would call um, or what might be known as evangelicalism is a rediscovery of activism and a rediscovering of the fact that you cannot be a truly biblical follower of Jesus if you do not have a faith that is active, if you do not have a faith uh, that is seeing transformation in your life it says that Jesus makes it really clear by their fruit you'll know them (laughs) you know if my life looked exactly the same today as it did 16 years ago then you guys would not have called me to be your pastor to be your minister and and there is no and and you would rightly question whether or not I had had a genuine encounter with Jesus you just would okay because my life was all over the show it still is but you know it's just maybe fractionally less all over the show but we need to move into action We need, you know, it's not just about winning souls. It's not just about people being set free for eternity. It is about a faith that changes the world in the here and the now. It is about a faith that shows itself in the difficult places, that shows itself in the great places, that shows itself everywhere, and which is modeled on Jesus, who said, what of himself? I came to be served. I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom many. John F. Kennedy in his inauguration speech in 1961, I think it was, and he said, ask not what uh, this country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And as we push on, and as we press in, press into Jesus, press into the scripture, press into worship, press into community, press into action. I want to, you know, I do hope that you've written these things down or, or, or something like that because I just think they're so simple. They are things that I can literally just look at on my phone. I've got them in notes on my phone that I can just look at and be like, am I doing that? Am I doing that? Am I doing that? You know, it's not deep, hugely deep biblical stuff, but it's so, it's true biblical stuff, I believe. And it's easily applicable biblical stuff but here's the question as we do this are we willing and if we are I, w- I want to suggest that the answer already would be a radical mind shift both for this church locally but also just for Christians in our consumer driven culture but the question is this or sorry the statement is this are we willing to ask not what our church can do for us but what we can do for our church 
and by church I mean community or I would adopt the definition that the Coleraine Vineyard Church in Coleraine funnily enough have which is that we're a church of 67,000 it's just that about 66,000 of them don't know it yet are you willing to ask not what your church can do for you but what you can do for your church if the church is the body of Christ and it is and if this church here at Southside is a genuine reflection a genuine outworking of his body which I believe it is how can we join in God's work asking Jesus where are you already going how can I follow you as I press into you as I listen to scripture as I live a life of worship rooted in community and spurred into action